0: I did a sermon called Recovering All, and what that was was kind of a consummation of different series that I had preached. I did a series called The Protocol of Heaven, then I did a series on um, faith, I did a series on the end times, and I did a series called The Seductions of Satan. And all those different series kind of coming together, it culminated in a sermon called Recovering All. Well, this is kind of the same theme tonight. There's a lot of things that I've preached and I'm kind of bringing it all together under this sermon. And then I'm going to transition. As I said earlier, I'm going to start moving more in the area of prayer and faith. And how many knows that prayer is is probably the most important thing in your life? It really is your relationship with the Lord. Learning to spend time with Him. And I'm gonna deal, I'm gonna deal with the blood, the power of the blood coming into the glory. I'm gonna deal with praying things through, I'm gonna deal with intercession, I'm going to deal with worship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, just a lot of things, a lot of things I have never preached on, a lot of things I have not covered, and I believe that you guys will be tremendously blessed. I'm gonna start that series next week. But just kind of summing this up, but I did a sermon recently called A Conquering religious witchcraft and what that was was a sermon I believe would be a blessing to anybody but it was a sermon about breaking through the stronghold that's in this area of both religion and witchcraft and it was a, it was a real blessing to preach I believe it's somewhat of a prophetic sermon but then after that this, these all go together I did a sermon on called Hidden in Christ and what that was was the Lord there's a, the scriptures say, when Satan came, Jesus said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. And then another translation says, he, has nothing, he doesn't have a hold on me. And in a nutshell, what I talked about was, when you really let the Lord do a deep sanctification, a deep purifying inside you, the enemy is no longer able to maintain his hold on you. So that's what that sermon was about. Then I shifted from personal liberty to the realm of the church. And I dealt with the accuser of the brethren. And all of us, in that sermon in a nutshell, all of us have the opportunity when we're confronting, confronted with something maybe we don't agree with or we don't understand. That we can take it one of two ways. We can either be negative, critical, fault finding and tear down like an attacking. Which would be the accuser of the brethren. Or... We could take it before the Lord and we could truly with love intercede for people and pray that the will of God be done and it's out of love. And that would be Jesus ever lives to make intercession and that would be us joining with the Lord in prayer for the unity of the, of the body of Christ. So that's that sermon in a nutshell. We have a choice. We can either join with the accuser or we could join with the Lord. In unity... For his purpose. Then after that sermon, now I want to go into God's covering and what I'm gonna deal with is actually going out on the front lines and winning souls and seeing revival and things that you're gonna to need to know. Now there was a time that I would have preached a sermon like this and I would have talked to people like if you're if you feel you're called to go out and win souls, see revival, and be used of God, and face spiritual warfare. This sermon, you really need to hear this. But I believe that we're moving into times in the last days when we're all going to need to know what's in this, just to be honest with you. Because I believe, the, you know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that Satan saw that his time was short, and it says, woe to the earth, because he came down with a vengeance. And I believe that we're either in those times or they're coming upon us very soon. And so we need to be under God's covering. And I'm going to talk about some things that most likely you have never heard in your life and never even thought of. But I want you to really, really take hold of this. Just like that sermon, Recovering All, I told you to take those notes and keep them in your Bible and go back to them. I'm just encouraging you to, to take these notes and fold them up, maybe keep them in your Bible. That way, you can go back to them and look over them down the road. All right. So, how I'm going to start this is this Jesus told a parable, and he said, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Now, the whole message of that parable was you don't want to start something that you can't finish. And many of us are wanting to go after God and and do what he's called us to do and see great things. But the Lord is saying to us, count the cost. Be ready to endure hardship as a good soldier. That while you're pressing into the higher calling and pressing into what God has for you and times get tough, that we're not going to bail out. But we've already counted the cost. And no matter what Satan brings, come hell, come high water, come satanic attack, whatever it is, we're still going after God. And we're going to do what he's called us to do and be faithful where he has us posted. We're going to be faithful to our post, to not abandon our post. That is what I feel tonight. Because I believe that revival, great revival is sweeping America. I believe with all my heart there's been so many prophecies that America will be ablaze in the fires of revival. There's no doubt in my mind. We're seeing a great awakening. And as that happens, Dallas eventually is going to become like a hub. And the devil's not going to sit back passively because most likely this great revival is going to affect not only the whole nation but it's going to begin to affect the nations of the world as, as, as people are taking the fires of revival out of America to the nations and how many knows that the devil is not going to send some wimpy little pathetic demon to attack something like that he's going to send some pretty strong intense and we need to be ready since God has us at this post to be able to endure and see the greater things that God has And so let's count the cost and let's be ready. Now, this is how I want to start this out. A lot of the battleground that all of us face as Christians is in the mind area, in your imagination, in your mind, and in your emotions. Because strongholds have to do... Strongholds is like a house built of thoughts. Just like you would build a castle stone upon stone... And you would build this castle. A stronghold in a person is a house of thoughts that are wrong thoughts. They've believed things that they shouldn't believe. About themselves, about others. And they, they perceive things from the enemy's perspective. The lies of the enemy have been believed. And that has built, over time, within people's strongholds. And once those strongholds have set into people's thinking and it's set into their heart, they begin to perceive everything in life through that stronghold. And the enemy can begin to traffic in and out of their life through that stronghold. And so it's so important that we pull down these strongholds. Let me give you some things in the church world. The church... I'm speaking here in America, but really this is all over the world. The church, by and large, has accepted the fact that sinful, compromising, defeated, divided, powerless Christianity is the reality of the way that it's supposed to be. But that is far from God's reality that was displayed both through the life of His Son when He walked the earth And that of the early church that we read about in the book of Acts. So many churches, mainline denominations, ministries all over the world are accepting some kind of false reality of what Christianity is supposed to be. But we need to get back to the book of Acts and we need to go back to look at the actual life of Jesus Christ and how he walked in the supernatural and the miraculous every day as if that was normal. And he came to seek and save the lost. The church is not supposed to be some kind of a country club where people come together and socialize. It's supposed to be a spiritual hospital for the hurting to be able to come and get ministry. And we don't need to be a referral service where every time somebody has a problem, we can refer them to a good shrink or to a good doctor or to a good banker if they have financial problems or something like that. We're not supposed to be a referral service. We're supposed to be able to pray and believe God and see breakthrough in people's lives by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And when you really preach the Word of God, you'll see that the Word of God will shatter strongholds. And when you operate under the anointing, you'll see the anointing will destroy yokes and bring breakthrough in people's lives. But many people, before I get off this, have accepted things about themselves that are not true. And I want you to think about this because you've got to pull down these strongholds. Whenever you think about yourself, if you're thinking about yourself from a poverty mentality, that you see yourself defeated... You see yourself as a second class citizen in God's kingdom. You see yourself lacking financially and struggling through life. Whenever you think of yourself, you see yourself as a failure. You see yourself like, well, God would anoint really use them, but he'll you know, I don't know if he'll ever do that with me. If you think that way, those are strongholds and they're lies of the enemy. And you're actually, if you keep believing those things, you're, you're hindering yourself from really becoming what God wants you to be. The Lord is wanting us... See, when the Father looks at us, He sees us like this. Here we are, here, and the Father sees us through the blood of Jesus. And so He sees you differently than you see yourself, I promise you. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. He sees you through the cross. And because of the cross, He sees all these promises that Jesus paid for you to have in your life. And He sees you overcoming and and rising up and doing great things and overcoming sin and, and being used of Him. That's the way the Father sees you. But the problem is, is that if we don't see ourselves through the cross then we can live our lives far beneath what God intended us to live. And it's not the devil's fault, and it's certainly not God's fault. It's our fault for not believing the Bible. Because the Bible says to pull down those lies and to believe what the Bible says. And whenever you start believing that I am now, right now, because of the blood of Jesus, not because I'm perfect, but because of the blood, I am right now holy. I'm made holy. And because I'm made righteous and pure and holy before God because of his blood. As you just think about it with your mind and you look at the cross. You see Jesus on the cross and you see his blood wash over you. I am made holy because of the blood. Whenever you see yourself that way, you begin to have faith. Because the Bible says the prayers of a righteous man are powerful. And so you begin to have boldness. Whenever you see yourself They say, well, I don't know if I can measure up in all this. You've got to go back to what the Bible says, which says that you are more than a conqueror. Which says that you really can do all things through Christ. And everything pertaining to life and godliness is found in Christ. So everything I need, that you begin to, with your mind's eye, begin to see Jesus hanging there on that cross and becoming a curse for you and breaking the power of the devil so that prosperity can flow. So that health can flow. We've got to change the way we're thinking. I feel that's really important for a lot of people. Because God's wanting to use you to do great things down the road. But you've got to change the way you see yourself. Not in a prideful, arrogant way. Don't look at yourself. See, the devil, at one time, he was Lucifer and he was pure at one time. But he was leading worship in heaven. He was very beautiful. He was brilliant. He was a powerful being. He was a cherub. He was an angel, maybe an archangel as well. He's a very powerful being and he would lead worship to God. But at some point, he began to look at himself. Look how beautiful I am. Look how powerful I am. And he began to get lifted up with pride and he wanted all the attention on him. Don't get your eyes on yourself. Keep your eyes on Jesus and on the cross that it's because of the cross that I have these things in my life. Not because of me. I'm not the source. The cross has brought it into me. The cross has made me now the righteousness of God. Do you see what I'm saying? Because if you keep looking at yourself and seeing yourself righteous, and it can become a very prideful thing. But when you look at Jesus and you realize I'm nothing, but because of what He did, all of these promises are mine now. Amen. They are mine now. But here's some things as we're moving into these last days. We are, we are going all of us as Christians all over the world are going to begin in an ever increasing measure facing higher levels of spiritual warfare than what people that lived 50 years ago faced. We're entering into times the Bible calls the last days. You know, when Satan started out in the Garden of Eden, this is, you know, metaphorically speaking, but he, he appeared as a serpent, but when you read about him in the book of Revelation, he's shown up as a great dragon, which it, it's actually translated a huge, enormous serpent. It appears as though because of all the sin and all the filth that's in the world, he's grown in great power. Does that make sense? And so we're facing things in the last days that our forefathers didn't face. And so I want to bring this word to you as as an encouragement that in Christ you have everything you need to overcome. You can come up under His blood and be protected. And everything that He paid for you to have you can walk in it. But these are some some tidbits of wisdom that I'm going to give you that I believe will help sustain you the first one is this we've got to make sure that we're under the right covering I don't think that any of us can truly understand and appreciate how extremely important it is that you are under a good spiritual covering because the way the spiritual covering is trickles down to everybody else and not every ministry Not every covering that's out there is a good covering. Are you hearing me? Number one, I believe that because we're moving into the last days, I believe with all my heart, God is going to force things more and more to move into biblical Christianity. Do you hear what I'm saying? All this man-made stuff is going to its going to be seen for what it is because of the, the trying times that we live. Things that are built on sand, that are man-made, are going to crumble and they're going to crack and they're going to suffer. But things that are God-made, that are God-established, will be on the rock. And they will be sustained because of the storms that are coming. And one of them is this, we've got to get back under apostolic covering. That's just biblical. That is biblical. And the problem is that, number one, a lot of different... And I'm talking about all over the world. All over the world, a lot of different uh, denominations and fellowships. It is not apostolic, it's voted on. It's a Sometimes it's just a popularity contest and whoever gets voted into a position of authority, they're in this apostolic office... But they do not have an apostolic calling, they do not have an apostolic mantle, and they do not have the anointing to be an adequate covering. They're there by title, but they're not not there by heaven's authority. That's a big difference, friend. And we need to make sure that there's nothing wrong with being a part of some kind of fellowship or denomination at all. But I'm just saying that wherever you're at, there needs to be a solid apostolic covering somewhere that's of God that is over that. Why? Because they have the authority to cover. That's what God has established in them. And pastors have the authority to cover a church, but apostolic people have authority to cover movements. That's just the way it is. And we've got to rightly discern the body. Now, I know that in 1 Corinthians 11:23 through 32, I know that it's talking about the Lord's Supper. And when it says rightly discerning the body, it's talking about understanding when you take the wafer, that it represents his stripes for your healing. I know what that means, and I'm going to get to that. But I also believe that there's a message in rightly discerning the Lord's body that we rightly discern where we're supposed to be in the Lord's body. What fellowship are you supposed to be a part of? Where are you supposed to be? This is important. And the Bible says that some are sick, weak, and die prematurely because they're not rightly discerning the body. Now I do believe that's talking about the Lord's Supper. But I also believe when people are not adequately covered, they come under attack and they're not protected the way they should be. I just believe that, friend. We need a strong covering in these last days. And a strong covering is not just apostolic, but it is prayer. Did you know that I was listening to Dr. Cho and he's, he's a very apostolic man, but he's a very powerful man of prayer. And as far as prayer goes, he's one of, one of these people that I really admire. And um, anyway, he was saying that he would go to Prayer Mountain and he would take pastors from the West with him because he's in South Korea. He'd take people from like Britain and in, in America and they would go to Prayer Mountain. Now, these people in South Korea know how to pray. I mean, they, they don't pray short little they, the leadership prays on an average of three hours a day, that type of thing. Three to five hours. They know how to pray. And so he comes into Prayer Mountain and before you can even go through the first part, you're supposed to pray for just an hour. And so he tells them, got to pray for an hour before we get past here. Let's pray. And he'll begin to pray. And he said for about five minutes, they're all into it. They're on fire. They're praying and praying. And then pretty soon, after about six, seven minutes, he's noticing it's getting real quiet. And he's sitting there praying and he looks over and they're just kind of just looking around. See, people, we've got to get to a place where we learn how to pray. The disciples saw Jesus. I'm about to get into this in my sermon series that's coming up. But the, the disciples saw Jesus go out all night and pray. They saw his life of prayer. They saw him get up really early in the morning, disappear and go pray. And probably they put two and two together. And they figured out that's the source. And so they went to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. But the strong covering is a praying covering. If you're in some kind of ministry where the leadership prays five, ten minutes a day, I worry for you in the days to come. Because you don't have a strong prayer covering. Somebody needs to say this. Is this good? And not only do you need them praying for you, but they need to be teaching you how to pray. But we need strong prayer in the days to come. And not every ministry that's out there is good fertile soil. People get frustrated because sometimes they're sowing their tithe and different things into a church. And they're not really seeing the reward that they think they should be seeing. But let me say this. Not every place is good fertile soil to be sowing into. If you take seed and you throw it on rocks, it's not going to produce. You need to find, I'm telling you... I can't even begin to explain to you, and I'm not sure I've even wrapped my mind around how important in the days to come it's going to be to have a strong, powerful covering over you that prays for you, that is blessing you, and that it's good soil that you can sow into, and because you're sowing into it, heaven is reaping back in your life because it's good soil. This is important. Does the ministry, where does it stand with Israel? If you're a part of some kind of covering that does not believe that Israel is significant in the last days, they believe replacement theology, man, you are under a wrong covering. Because where people stand with Israel in these last days is going to have a tremendous amount to do with the blessings of heaven flowing in their life or not. And it's sad to me because some people, they don't even consider any of the things I just told you. What about the anointing? What about the glory? How much are people praying? Where do they stand with certain things? Is there righteousness and holiness? They're not even thinking about that. They're just thinking about, do they have a good pizza party for my teenage kid? Do they have a puppet show for my kids? And in the days to come, they're going to wonder, why is my life so difficult? I'm praying, I'm believing for things, but it's like, and what it is, is they don't have a strong covering over them. A strong, powerful covering over people, it's like whenever you see the birds that form the V, the one that's in the middle is breaking through. It's taking the resistance, the one in the middle is taking the resistance so that everybody else can flow and just kind of ride in that. And that's what a strong covering does. They have the authority from the Lord and they have the anointing to be able to take that resistance and it's not going to hurt them because they have the authority to do that. And whenever you come under that, you're you're riding behind that and they're paving away spiritually. And I'm concerned as well because so many ministries, and I'm talking about all over in the days that we're moving into, we need to be able to offer people a deliverance ministry. I believe with all my heart that, that, that God has restored so many things to the body of Christ. We came out of the Dark Ages in 1517. We know um, Martin Luther, the German monk, brought you know the Protestant movement. And then around the 1900s, we saw great revivals, and we've seen the healing ministry restored. We've seen the baptism of the Holy Spirit revival. But I'm going to tell you, I really believe That in the coming days, there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit and God's going to bring back the true deliverance ministry that really sets people free. Really sets people free. But I'm grieved because so many different ministries, whenever you see that you go in, you can see so many people have a lot of baggage on them spiritually. There needs to be a move of the Spirit of God. And there needs to be things in place to get people free so they can serve the Lord and not have all this baggage let me read this to you in 1 Corinthians 11 23-32 it says for I received from the Lord but I also passed on to you the, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the Lord. And that's talking about, you know, none of us are perfect, so don't ever get a mentality like, because I'm not a perfect human being, I need to shy back from the communion table. That's ridiculous. What that's talking about is somebody that has the audacity to be at church, and they got their wife and their kids, but they are actively having an adulterous affair with the secretary at work, and it's been going on, and they're not repenting, and then they're going to come to the table of the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the type of thing that will bring judgment. Everyone ought to examine himself before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat or drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why many, now look at this, this is why many among you are weak and sick and a number have fallen asleep, died. So it's saying here that not rightly discerning the Lord's Supper, people can be weak, they can be sickly, and die prematurely. That's what it says. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally Condemned with the world. But I want you to see the power of the Lord's Supper. And I want you to see that what I talked about rightly discerning the body. Are you where you're supposed to be under the right covering? Some of you here probably feel that way. But I'm talking about people all over. There's people that hear this in other nations. There's people that hear this throughout America that listen to these. Are you where you're supposed to be? Is it good, fertile soil? Is it a place of the glory? I'm going to tell you right now, that is a number one test for me. When I go into a place, if I don't sense the glory, that's a big red flag. Because the reason the glory is not there is probably because there's sin somewhere. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory. The glory should be among God's people. And if the glory is not there, that is concerning. Leonard Ravenhill spoke before he died and he talked of a mainline denomination and he said, the glory is departed. He said, why won't the leadership across the world speak and say let's shut down next Sunday's meetings, everybody get on their face, let's call a solemn assembly, let's pray, let's fast, let's repent of our sins and get back the glory. That is the heart we need to have. The glory... You know, we talk about a purpose-driven life or whatever. That's great. But what about a presence-driven life? We need the glory. The Bible says in the last days, it talks about that God will purge. In Isaiah 4, it talks about purge the bloodstains. And it says that by a spirit of fire and burning, and the glory will be a canopy of protection. The Apostle Paul saw some kind of an armament of light, an armor of light around people but because of the blood certainly not because of our own righteousness but because of the blood we're washed and made holy the glory can rest on us and the glory is a protection I don't have time at all to talk about cleansing your home but I'm going to send it out by email you can download it off our website but Sandy and I have put together a, a thing where you can go through and cleanse your home you can dedicate it to the Lord you can bless it you can anoint it and get the glory in your home But I'm going to tell you, there's a saying that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Listen, that is so true when it comes to things like this. It is time now to get this stuff out of our home that needs to be gotten out and get the glory in our homes. Don't wait until all hell breaks loose. Don't wait until there's a catastrophe. Let's go ahead and do it now and get under the glory. But see, our homes should be a place of the glory of God. But too many people are allowing things into their home that grieve the Spirit. And whenever you grieve the Holy Spirit and He lifts, the glory goes. you got to protect the glory. When the glory comes, you have to protect it. But clean house. Get things out of your home that need to be gotten out of it. Pray over your home. Anoint it with oil. Dedicate it to the Lord. Speak a blessing. and, And let things play in your home like anointed worship. But guard it. If there's things that are coming across the television or internet or or musically that grieve the Spirit of God, then turn it off and get rid of it. The second thing, I'm hearing more and more ministers, more and more preachers, more and more ministries talk about how daily we need to be taking the Lord's Supper. You didn't hear this years ago, but you're hearing more and more ministers talking about an emphasis on the blood and an emphasis on the communion table. I've done so much teaching on this that I don't want to dwell on it too long. But daily examining yourself, forgiving anybody, anybody you need to, and understanding the awesome power of the Lord's table. I'll deal with it more in the, in the sermon series I'm going to do on prayer. But this, the communion table is something between you and the Lord, it's something intimate between you and Him, it's something personal. And as you take communion, it is the table in the presence of your enemies that David saw. A deep consecration takes place. In Leviticus 6.18, it talked about the priest of the Old Testament would eat of the sacrifice and they became so holy, even what they touched became holy. That was just a picture and type of communion. How much more powerful is it now that we actually have the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when they only had the body and blood of an animal? But they became so holy, even what they touched became holy. So the communion table, there's a deep consecration that happens in us. There's tremendous protection because in Job 1.9, Job every day was shed an animal's blood for the sin of his family. Did everybody see that? Every day he would rise early and he would shed the blood of an animal for the sin of his family. Every day he was covering his family in the blood. Now, Job didn't have the cross like we do, so he was having to use the blood of an animal pointing to Jesus. But that blood of an animal had so much power that in Job 1.9 when the devil came and some of his fallen angels came before God, God said, If you consider my servant Job? And Satan said, He has a hedge of protection around him and his family and everything that he owns. So if the blood of an animal could put a hedge that stopped the devil... How much more can the blood of Jesus? Think about the Passover. Think about the blood of the Lamb and the death angel passed over. In these last days, we're going to have to get a real deep revelation about the power of the cross, the blood, and the communion table. Underneath that blood is where there's protection. The blood takes you into the Holy of Holies. Hebrews 9.12, we can come boldly but it's through the blood in the Old Testament the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and it was dark in there and as soon as he put the blood of that sacrifice on the mercy seat the glory would rest on that blood and light that place up and he would stand there with that censer he would stand there and worship God and pray for Israel but it was the blood that brought the glory it was the blood that allowed him to go into the Holy of Holies and not die it is the blood that brings you into God's presence and it's the blood that allows the glory to rest on you. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it talked about the yeast being purged out by keeping the feast. Keeping the feast was a reference to communion, the Lord's table. And the yeast represents sin. So what Paul was saying, as you as a church family are taking communion on a regular basis, it is purging out the remaining sin out of your life it's purging it out it's sanctifying you also in 1 Samuel 21 David and his men were weary in battle they came to the tabernacle and the priest allowed David and his men to eat the consecrated bread that was supposed to only be for the priest but when they ate it 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 says it gave them strength for the battle I believe that the communion table will give you strength for the battle also, in 1 Corinthians ten sixteen, it calls it the cup of blessing. When you drink of it, you're drinking a blessing on yourself. One lamb per household. I don't want to get bogged down because I am going to talk about this later. But Bill Johnson talked about a lady that had a son. She was a Christian. He was in the occult. I've shared this. He was away from God. He was a total heathen in rebellion. And the Lord spoke to her, one lamb per household. And that lamb, in the Passover, that whole family would have One lamb. But they benefited from that blood. The whole family did. And so she took communion on behalf of her and her family. And it broke something in the spirit realm. And he had been, he had been so hateful, so mean, so rebellious, so away from God. In the, in the occult, mind you. okay. And something broke and he called her quickly after that. And not only did he call her and ask forgiveness, he got saved. It totally broke something off his life. Understanding that there's one lamb per household... And those that are in leadership over ministries, you understand that as you're um, over that whole ministry, it's one lamb per ministry. That's why the Bible says that a church is one lump. Remember that? The yeast can work through one lump. You're one batch of dough. In other words, we're one. And so the headship can take communion on behalf, if that makes sense. One lamb per household. Another thing is, speaking, speaking Psalm 91, I recommend that you memorize that. I quote that every day in my personal prayer time over all of us in this ministry. There was a general, I can't remember if it was a sergeant or a general, but a, a leader that was over the British military during World War II, and he was a Christian man apparently, but he had a Bible, and all these people were dying around him, and he said this to his his company of men, what was his platoon as a sergeant, whatever, he said to his men he said every day we're going to quote Psalm 91 together and we're going to believe God to put us under the shadow of his wings, okay every day they did that and did you know people died all around them and they did not suffer loss there's a power in Psalm 91 and when you speak it out over you and your family and your ministry, there's, there's something about that, speaking that out, it's a powerful thing the armor of God, we've got to have it on every day I'm telling you, angels, demons in the spirit realm, they can see if you got your armor on some of you may be kind of exposed right now okay another thing, make sure that you're going through personal deliverance and get every door closed in your life, that there's nothing there, having accountability in place, let me explain that we need to have people that we can talk to. Everybody does. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another so that you can be healed. We need one another. We need to be able to have people in our lives that you can go to in confidence and private and they can you can talk to them and they can pray for you. Uh, be careful who you trust with, with confidential things, okay? But you need to have people that you can trust and that will pray for you. And I remember that there was a prophetic word about a major increase of anointing. And I've learned over the years that attack happens before blessing. And so we'd come under a a major attack. I'd come under a major attack. I went through the second worst betrayal of my life. And because of that, I was emotionally wounded. But I still had to function. Just because you get a knife stuck in you and rip you open doesn't mean you can just go stop. You still got to function in life. You still got to minister and preach the gospel. You still got to do everything. But I knew that because of being wounded, I knew that if I wasn't careful, I could overreact. Because see, the accuser of the brethren was at work. I mean, it was raging. All this hatefulness, this, it was just it was evil. It was just launched against me. And while this is going on, I knew that I had if I wasn't careful... I could overreact to it or I could underreact. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the devil wants you to either overreact or underreact. And so I had some people that I knew I could trust. Two people. And I would tell them everything. Whenever all this hateful stuff was coming, I would tell them this is what they're saying, this is what they're doing. And I wanted them to warn me, Pastor, just leave it alone. Or, hey, you should say this. Or, hey, you shouldn't say that. I wanted to bounce things off of them because I knew, because I was emotionally wounded, I I might have a tendency to overreact or underreact. In other words, not handle it the way that I would if I wasn't wounded. That's the way the devil works. He'll wound you and then start all this stuff because he knows that you might do something you'd regret. But anyway, because I had people in my life that I could bounce things off of, it was pretty smooth. And I don't really have any regrets coming through it. Amen? You see what I'm saying? But we need people to help us whenever we're attacked. To pray for us. And have people around you that will tell you the truth in love. You know, sometimes we've got, all of us have got to guard from that, that stinking pride that tries to come up in everybody. I remember I had a really good friend of mine. I hope you hear this story. And I loved him and we were close. But he was... He was a shy individual at first, but he began to be mentored by a very powerful evangelistic ministry. And because he was being mentored by these people, he really started growing spiritually. And he began to share his faith, he began to be more bold, and God began to use him. But I watched, and I hope that you hear this and let this really minister to you, but I watched him. And given some time, he began to get pretty cocky about it. And he would start making statements like one of these ministry leaders that he was learning from would be asked a question and then they would answer it. And then he would say to other people, well, I would have answered it different than that. And he was beginning to be critical of them and set himself up above them and seeing himself superior to them the very people that mentored him that he would even hardly know anything in the first place about it if it wasn't for them now he was seeing himself superior to where he could be correcting them and he could be critical of them the story doesn't end there I was watching this and it was really concerning me and as he went on he was a part of a different church and the pastor had asked him to do something he got mad about it well in that particular church there was an individual in leadership that it had some compromising situation come up it wasn't a huge major thing but it was, it was enough of an issue for him to just resign and go somewhere else where he could get some ministry and then be restored in leadership there but he needed to go through a little process and I felt that the pastor under the circumstances used a great deal of wisdom he handled everything Christ like it was good but this this individual I'm talking about that began to get a pride issue he began to look into the scriptures from a perspective of being so judgmental and critical and I mean I had to cut ties with this individual because even on like a Facebook page it was always just slamming all these different ministries just critical but anyway he had gotten a hold of some scripture about rebuking an elder publicly and he felt like this individual should have been publicly rebuked. But under the circumstances, knowing the whole thing, it didn't it didn't feel right. How many knows that you can't live by the letter of the law, okay? Anyway. And so to, to, to bring this down. Now, so this ministry had gotten up and used a tremendous amount of wisdom, handled the situation right. It was in a heart of restoration. And the person was going to relocate and get ministry and all of that. And so he gets up and has to say something on like a Sunday morning because people are going to wonder when the guy's gone, hey, where'd he go? And so he got up there and he kind of just said a few things and he's resigning and moving on. And it I felt he did a good job. But this individual that got a pride issue stood up in the middle of church, I mean in front of everybody, and was like yelling, saying... Well, why don't you tell us what really happened? You know, and was just trying to... So needless to say, he gets escorted out. Goes. They bring him into the pastor's office. The pastor was going to try to talk to him in a, in a loving way and explain things maybe he didn't know. But the guy was sitting there just being all disrespectful to the pastor. Anyway, he was gone. Last time I heard, he's he's got a few little disciples around him that he's pouring into. And... You know how much more could he be doing for God if there was some humility there, instead of being so judgmental, critical, and and setting himself up? I'm going to tell you, pride is a very dangerous thing because people don't realize that the Apostle Paul said, "Don't give a novice some kind of spiritual authority too quickly, or they'll come under the same judgment as the devil." Would you want to come under the same judgment as Satan? Okay, did you know that that's possible? did you know that that's actually possible, why? because of pride people get lifted up in pride they'll they'll sit under a ministry for a time they learn about 95% of what they know from that ministry and then pretty soon they get big for their britches, this is Texas I can say that, they get big for their britches and next thing you know they should be the one telling everybody what to do, they should be in charge, now they're critical and they're fault finding everything and they set themselves up as some kind of judge and ruler and it reminds you of Cora doesn't it Torah rose up in rebellion and says, who does this Moses think he is to be leading us? I'm just as much a Levite as him. Why can't I be leading this nation? And he set himself up and he led a rebellion and God dealt with him harshly. But we've got to be careful that we don't get so big for our britches that people can't tell us the truth in love. Because when this person was doing this and coming against this church, I tried to tell him because he was a friend of mine. I tried to tell him, look man, don't this, just let it go. This is... And I tried to talk to him, but he would not listen. How many knows when pride creeps in, people's hearts start getting hard? And they start feeling like they're right. They cannot be corrected. They won't listen to anybody. And they have to crash and burn. Another thing not only do we need people around us that can speak into our lives and tell us things that we may not want to hear all the time but we also need a blessing spoken over our lives I've preached a lot on this but Jacob and Esau even though Jacob deceived his way into getting his father's blessing whenever his father spoke a blessing over him it stuck on him and it followed him the rest of his life and Esau did not have it the father's blessing is extremely powerful A biological father, a spiritual father, and a pastor. I believe in the days that we're moving into that we are going to need to understand the power of speaking blessings. I've preached a lot on this. This is kind of a sermon that is going back over a lot of different things that I've preached to you guys over the last year or or two years. But anyway, a father's blessing. We need to understand that whenever there is a blessing that rests on somebody so let me explain it like this if somebody has a curse on their life it will follow them and keep causing negative things to happen and it's frustrating because every time they get ahead it seems like some invisible hand reaches out and pulls them back down they go through cycles of destruction they're frustrated all the time but the way that you break out of that is you understand number one the power of the cross and you start obeying the bible And you break free from those old curses and come under blessings. But there's got to be an element there of letting authority figures speak a blessing over you. Whenever I had my father speak of father's blessing, it's very powerful. And that stuck on my life. But I've also had people that were spiritual fathers speak a blessing. I've had people that I respected that came into my ministry somehow speak a blessing over the ministry. And of course, I speak a blessing over you guys. But I'm going to tell you, the power of speaking blessings is this. Whatever you say, it's coming out and it's resting and it's causing those things to happen. It goes out and rests on a person and that blessing will follow them and cause good things to happen. That would not have happened otherwise. That's why whenever God spoke through the tabernacle to Moses and Aaron, He told Aaron, whenever the people come in and they offer the sacrifice, you stand there. It was the head of the household that would come in, okay? You stand there and you speak this blessing over him. And Aaron would lift up his hands and he would speak over him, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance toward you and give you his peace. And he would put those words on that head of that household. It was connected to the sacrifice he brought. Whenever, I've shared this before, but whenever Abram, God had made Abram so many promises, he wasn't even Abraham yet. And he defeated those three kings. He stood before Melchizedek, who was a priest, and they they broke bread and shared that wine. They took communion together. And Melchizedek blessed Abram. And right after that blessing was spoken, you start reading about all these things that God had promised Abraham happening. His name was changed to Abraham. The covenant was made. Isaac was on the way. Circumcision was established. I mean, it just took off after that. There's something about a blessing that will move things. And blessings don't always change things quickly. When you start speaking blessings in your house, you start blessing your house, you start blessing your finances... You start blessing yourself, your family, you bless your health. It's kind of like dry ground. When it rains on dry ground, it soaks it up pretty quick. But if you'll keep blessing, it'll become like standing water eventually. But how many knows that Satan cannot curse what God has blessed? And if you put blessings on everything, whenever Satan comes, he's going to have a hard time cursing what God has blessed. The power of blessings... Another thing is make sure that you're in the center of God's will. Some people base their decisions on where they live geographically on how much money they can make. And that's the only thing that they think about. Somebody could get a raise offered them if they'll move to a different state. And they'll just take the raise and move. But let me say this. If they move out of the will of God geographically... They may make more money because they got a raise, but spiritually speaking, the fruit of their life is going to be hindered because they're out of the will of God. And we need to make sure that we're in the will of God geographically. We need to make sure that you're in the will of God with your calling. If you're an evangelist, then don't try to pastor a church, for heaven's sakes. If you're a teacher, then don't try to be a prophet. Amen some people are trying to do that and you can tell it's like figure out what you're called to do and do that because you will do it well but if you're trying to do something else you're going to be like the round piece trying to fit in the square peg it's going to be frustrating for everybody get in your calling and let the Lord use you in what you're called to do Engaging in battles, make sure that you don't go beyond the realm of your proper limits, beyond the realm of your authority. 2 Corinthians 10.13, it says, We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that includes you. In other words, Paul was saying, I have a realm of authority but I'm not going to go beyond my realm of authority. He was an apostle to the Gentiles, so he wasn't trying to be an apostle to the Jews. He wasn't going to go outside of his realm of authority. Some people, because of a pride issue, they're always trying to go beyond, outside of a realm of authority that God has put there. If your geographic realm of authority is just your city... Then don't go trying to rebuke the devil's kingdom over states and regions. Stay within your realm or you're liable to get in a lot of trouble. Another thing is show proper respect to your adversary. Now this is important because there's some people that run around and they're mocking and making fun of and, you know, railing against principalities and powers. Friend listen that is very foolish let me show you something Jude 8 through 9 I'll read it to you it says in this very same way on the strength of their dreams these ungodly people pollute their bodies talking about sexually also they reject authority so they're prideful and rebellious and they heap abuse on celestial beings but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him or slander him, but said, simply said, the Lord rebuke you. If some people, they're, they're mocking authorities, be careful with that. Don't be mocking and being disrespectful. Understand that they have a realm of authority. We should carry ourselves with dignity and honor anyway. That's not you know, but anyway, whenever people start railing against authorities and they're they're coming against these principalities and they're 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 being disrespectful, that's foolish. You're opening yourself up for an attack that believe me you don't want to have. Don't engage in battles that are over your head spiritually. This is good stuff. You guys with me? don't engage in battles that are over your head spiritually somebody that is is like an apostolic figure and they're being used in a certain realm don't try to necessarily mimic that because you may not have the authority to do that find out your realm of authority and function in that with boldness and with faith and with courage but don't go beyond don't ever take your enemy lightly that's a big one. People take the devil... I hear people, preachers all the time, talk about how stupid the devil is. The devil's not stupid. He's smarter than them. I'm not being mean. That's a fact. I'm not being mean. He is smarter than them. But their are saying how stupid the devil is. They're saying, well, the, the devil has no power. Give me a break. It's just that we in Christ have all authority and power. We are victorious. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't have any power. Don't underestimate or take your enemy lightly or you may find yourself on your back with a bloody nose on the mat regretting it. Daily be ready for life and death struggles. We're moving into times where we need to be ready and understand the day and hour that we live in and that God can use us in a powerful way. Here's another thing. Make sure that you have prayer and fasting levels where they need to be. That's why we have the Watchmen program here. That's why I teach a lot on prayer. That's why we have corporate prayer. But prayer and fasting levels need to be up on an adequate level to deal with the prevailing spiritual warfare you're dealing with. Because if the prayer and fasting levels are not up to par, then the enemy is going to be oppressing some. You've got to get the levels of prayer and fasting up where they need to be to sustain a long-term victory. And to be able to take ground and move at the speed you need to be moving. Because if prayer and fasting is not where it needs to be, things will slow down. The enemy will try to put up a resistance to where you should spiritually be going 65 miles an hour, but you're only going about 35 And it's like the enemy begins to try to restrict and confine where your fruit level should be up here, but it's only here. Prayer and fasting levels begin to break you out of that and into everything God has for you. Another thing is live in total obedience to God's word where there's no compromise at all. Being faithful in the church you're supposed to be in. Be faithful to serve there. Be faithful to do what you're called to do. But make sure that the way you're living, even in secret, is righteous. Because I'm going to tell you something. Some people have an attitude like, well, nobody's looking. There's never a time in your life that nobody's looking. Number one, God sees it. But number two, I promise you the devil's kingdom sees it. If somebody is going to be going after God and seeing souls saved, and you're, you're coming in a way of defeating the devil's kingdom, and then you've got some little hidden sin back here, your brothers and sisters in Christ may not know about it, but I promise you the enemy does. And it's just a matter of time before he slithers in that crack and slaps you around a little bit. It's making sure that the sin is out. What do you do in secret? What are you looking at? What are you listening to? What's going on in your life? And being faithful with your tithe. The time is coming, friend. Listen, the Bible says that when we don't tithe, which I'm speaking to people that for the most part I believe do, okay. so I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but when you don't tithe, the Bible says you're stealing from God. Okay, It belongs to Him, and you're stealing it from Him, and you're spending it on yourself. And people wonder why is it so hard financially? Well, start doing what the Bible says and obey the Lord. And when you obey him, then he will do what he said. He'll rebuke the devourer, he'll open the heavens, he'll pour out blessings, he'll give you increase, and he'll bless your life. Okay. But we're moving in times where it's going to be important that our finances listen. The economies of the world are being shaken. And the Bible shows us that there's going to come a time when there's going to be some kind of a one world currency. And there's going to be a mark of the beast. We need to understand as Christians that the for, for that one world currency to come, the economies of the world are going to be crashing Therefore, people are crying out for a one world currency. We're living in the time where the economies are beginning to crash. Okay. So we are going to have to live by faith for our finances. In a time when the world's finances are going to be struggling. The way that we live by faith is, is that we're tithing and we're blessing, like Israel, we're giving to the poor, we're being faithful with our finances. And as you're faithful with your finances scripturally then God is going to sustain you. Even though things fall apart around you, you're going to be sustained. Okay. Guarding your eyes and your mind ruthlessly. We're living in a time where Satan is trying to put sexually explicit and perverted things all over everywhere. Billboards, television, everywhere. And we have to guard our eyes. So whenever something's there, we turn the eyes away. And you have to guard your mind. Because if your mind's entertaining those things, see what happens is this. You see something, and if you don't turn away and you keep staring at it, it gets into your mind. And then if you don't throw it out of your mind, the person will be entertaining it. So then it goes from the mind to the person now dealing with lust. And now that they're dealing with lust, they act on it and they sin. And when they sin, then they open themselves up to the devil. And the Bible says sin produces death. Does that make sense? But it all started with the eyes and it all started with the mind. So if you'll cut it off there with the eyes and you'll cut it off in your mind it won't be progressing to that. All right, let me give you a few more things before I close. Be led by the Holy Spirit. We've got to make sure that we're being led by the Holy Spirit and that we're praying in the Spirit. I can't tell you how important it is that we get to know the Holy Spirit. We have to know the Holy Spirit's voice and His presence. God the Father is in heaven right now the Bible calls the third heaven that's where he's at Jesus is at his right hand the person who's in you and with you is the Holy Spirit he's the best friend you got here right now ok get to know him he will tell you nah don't do that he, he will help you he'll say I'm serious he'll tell you yes invest in that don't do that watch out for that person that person's ok do this. Go I mean he will help you in all realms of life. But you have to get to know him. You have to get to know his voice. What does his voice sound like? What does his presence feel like? Because the enemy, one of the ways the enemy attacks is he tries to send a lot of counterfeits because it serves two purposes. Number 1, a counterfeit will cause people To either accept that counterfeit is real or it will make the person so afraid that they'll pull away from everything. They're so afraid of getting a counterfeit that they don't want the real. You see what I'm saying? But get to know the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens when you pray in the Spirit. The Bible says that you utter mysteries, which means great revelation will come into your life. The Bible says the Holy Spirit prays through you the perfect will of God. You can't beat that. The Bible says that it's part of your armor. It sharpens your discernment. Trust me, it makes you more sensitive to the Spirit. In the Spirit realm, what's going on. It builds up your most holy faith. I believe that the enemy cannot understand what you're praying because it's a heavenly language. I understand sometimes it's an earthly dialect, especially in a message in tongues or something. But whenever people get a prayer language, 99% of the time you're praying in a heavenly language. And the enemy's not going to know what's going on. The Bible also says that you will stay in the perfect will of God because the Holy Spirit is praying that over you. The Holy Spirit is praying over your life, the perfect will of God, over and over and over. And it causes that your life is staying right in the center of the will of God. The Bible talks about you being strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. Isn't that awesome? I believe that it has a sanctifying work. Remember the Bible says how can sweet water and salt water come out of the same mouth? Alright. As you're praying in the Holy Ghost, I believe the Lord sanctifies that tongue. Also refreshing. It brings refreshing in your life. And Jesus said true worshipers will worship in the Spirit. Because you're worshiping in the Spirit, that's what Jesus was talking about. That's a lot right there of benefits of praying in tongues. I recommend you spend some time praying in the Spirit. Also, make sure on a personal level that you as an individual learn how to pray and have a powerful prayer life in these last days. You need to be able to hear from God. You need to be able that your prayer life has become something powerful so that when you come out of your personal prayer life, You have enough anointing to face the day in front of you. You're you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit so He can lead you throughout the day. Another thing I recommend is that you document the revelation God gives you. If God gives you a dream, write it down. If God gives you a prophetic word from somebody, document it. You know, keep it documented somewhere in your Bible or in some kind of a folder because you want to be able to go back to that. You know, sometimes God gives people some kind of revelation. And how many knows, anytime God speaks, it's important. You know, and people will get something from God and then they'll never document it. And then, you know, a couple weeks passes and they're like, you know, I had a dream and I really felt it was from God, but I can't remember the dream. And that's happened to me too. And I've learned that I need to write things down. I need to document things. Some of, the, some of you remember the last time we had a prayer meeting in, in, in a 2012. And we had some revelation. We sat down and documented some revelation. I'm now going back and seeing some of that revelation that God gave us. That it's coming in this sermon series that I'm about to do now. But it's important that we documented it and prayed over it. Make sure you stay in the Word. That's kind of a given. Okay, we got to stay in the Word. But this is the last thing I close with this. Don't try to reason everything away in the natural. I believe that Americans in the in the West are probably the worst about this on the planet. And that is every time anything happens, it's like they're going to try to explain it away if there's any way possible. The depression has something to do with it being a cloudy day. It has something to do with the, you know, the barometric pressure or maybe it's whatever. Somebody said something and they try to always explain away everything that's going on as it being some kind of a natural, reasonable explanation that there's no way that it could be spiritual. But, but if, I, if I can find a way... Listen, friend, a lot of things that's going on is spiritual, and quit trying to explain everything away. Because if you're always doing that, then the enemy's liable to be slapping you around for a long time before you even figure out that it's the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want to lead you in a prayer about something, and then we're going to pray for people who want prayer. It's important just to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in these services, because the Holy Spirit can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. Just being sensitive to Him and letting Him touch people. But I'm concerned about this, that we don't have a stronghold in our lives of getting lukewarm. If we're not careful, the Bible talks about the Laodicean church. But people that have studied that out understand that those seven churches represent the church age and the Laodicean church is the last day church. And the prophetic warning of the Lord is that the last day church would have a tendency to be lukewarm. The last day church will have a tendency, if they're not careful, to be lukewarm. Because the increase of wickedness will cause people's love to grow cold. Because of the pressure of the day and hour we live, the devil's trying to wear out the saints. The Bible talked about people will hate and betray each other. We're living in a time where there's just a lot of hurtful things going on. And if we're not careful we can get down to a place spiritually where we become lukewarm but here's the scary thing about lukewarm jesus said about lukewarm he would actually rather you be either hot or cold he would rather you be cold than lukewarm and he said but because you're lukewarm i'll vomit you out of my mouth and that's what it means it makes the lord nauseous that people get lukewarm and in a lukewarm state people get religious They get comfortable with their religion and they quit caring about the lost and hurting. And that's what I want us to pray about. I don't want any of us to get lukewarm. We go through seasons in life that are difficult. All of us do. But ultimately, we need to keep the fire burning. The Apostle Paul said to stir up what's in you through the laying on of hands. There's got to be a stirring up. And in in the Greek, if you guys ever been camping or you had a fireplace and the fire would die down, and you'd have to get a stick or something and just kind of stoke it, and that's what that means. That actually means to stoke, to stir up the embers that are in you, to stir it back up to where it bursts back into flame. To stir up that fire. It's our responsibility. One of the ways you can keep the fire burning is stay faithful in church. And when God's moving, get in. Get a fresh baptism of fire. We need that. I used to go to different revivals. All, I still do as much as I can, but back in the day when like the Brownsville revival was going and different moves of God were consistently going on, I would go as much as I could and get as much prayer as I could, stir up the fire, get more and more and more. You know, We need to be hungry like that. We really do. But anyway, here's what I want to do. I want you to pray with me. Lord, everybody say this out loud. Jesus, Jesus I, ask your I ask your forgiveness in my life in, my life, in any way, in any way that, I've lukewarm, that I've grown lukewarm. I'm asking you, I'm asking you to, stir up to stir up what's in me. What's in me. Send, a fresh Send a fresh baptism of fire. Baptism of fire. Put a fresh anointing. In my, life. In my life, set me ablaze, set me ablaze that, I might burn for you. that I might burn for you. Help me to love, Help me to love what you love, what you love and, hate what you hate. and hate what you hate. Give me a burden, give me, a burden. Give me your heart, give me your heart for, the lost for the lost and the hurting. And the hurting. I receive it now. I receive it now. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So Father, I pray that if y'all would just do this for me for a moment. Just out loud. Just begin to worship in the Spirit. That's it. Come on. Just worship in the Spirit.